0: Hello, and welcome to Holy Name Sisters, Women on a Mission podcast, Season Two. I'm Sister Teresa Shields, and I live in Seattle, Washington, and I would like to introduce our co-host for Season Two, Sister Kathleen
1: Griffin. Thank you, Teresa. I'm happy to, and I'm very happy to be on board with this wonderful project, and I'm grateful to all the SNJMs who are willing to share their story and invest their time in this. So, go forward. Thank you, Teresa. All right, thank you. And our guest today,
0: I'm really excited to interview because I have known Kathy Beckley since, it must have been when she joined the convent in the 70s, -hmm. and I have known and admired her for so many years after that. And she's going to share her wonderful story of starting the Women's Drop-In Center in Spokane, Washington. I forget when that was, Kathy. When was that?
2: Actually, the last, it was, I would just say 1991. We, 1991. We it actually, in December of 90, but just say 91.
0: All right, 91. She will share the wonderful programs for women that has accompanied that. And I'm very excited to hear it. But before we do that, we will say our prayer at the beatification of Mother Rose.
1: Blessed Marie Rose de Roche, obtain for us the audacity of faith, the simplicity of hope, the power of love, that we may actualize the words of Jesus. I have come to cast fire upon the earth and would that it were already kindled.
0: Thank you, Kathleen. Kathy is going to share with us how she has been casting fire, the fire of God's love for so many years. So Kathy, tell us the mission of the Women's Drop-In Center and how, what the motivation
2: was to start it and its mission. Well, I think I have to go back a bit. I uh, was working as a therapist at St. Joseph Family Center in Spokane for about five years. And that last, uh, Last year or so, I began to have this dream about starting kind of a, a center for women in downtown Spokane. I asked to be able to stop my work at St. Joseph Family Center and uh, begin to explore the downtown area. What, was there a need? Talk to the service providers, so I did that. So the mission actually for the Women's Drop-In Center was to create a safe environment for women who really were desirous of healing and wholeness and community. So that was that was it in a nutshell. So um, uh, the downtown neighborhood center gave me one hundred and sixty five dollars so I could buy coffee and have uh, have uh, cookies and uh, muffins. So I opened the drop in center. Uh, the, the people that really helped me initially were my women's meditation group. One of them was just really they, they were all inspired. But one gal said because I had no money. She said, I'll pay your phone bill, Kathy, for the first year. And it, of course, it was a personal line. It wasn't a business line. It was, I had really humble beginnings. The place we um, got for free was left left by the um, crosswalk, which was a nonprofit for the street street kids, the runaways. And they had left the place. <laughs> so you can <could> imagine. <laughs> so they ran away
0: from the place for runaways. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we We started. And some of the women from my meditation group came down with sewing machines and uh, new sheets and covered the old um, sofas and chairs with uh, new material. And some of the women from the beginning women helped them which was kind of wonderful. We really created a lot of ownership when we started the place because it was just nothing. You know, um, I remember mice running around and I'm like jumping on a chair screaming, Sister Kathy, you know, I'm, I'm eating, they take care of the mice, you know, it's like, really? So it was very, very humble beginnings. One of the meditation women um, put a little calligraphy, little sheet on the door. It was actually, there were no windows, which was perfect for these women. Nobody could could look in, it was safe, it was a steel door, but on the outside, it would talk about, this is women's drop-in center, our hours, And also a little bit, eventually it was like, what was going on that day or that week? So we started. It was it was a wonderful start. It was very simple, and word word was out on the street. You know, Bob. Some of the some of the providers said, Kathy, if you give out oranges, everyone on the in the downtown neighborhood will know. It's like the, the word on the street was this this nun is starting this thing for women, and it uh, women came in. It wasn't it it, it really um, it was pretty eclectic because I had um, my own friends down there that were providing some of the programming. And uh, I was down there. Uh, it, we had AA meetings three times a week. So women in recovery could really get support. Um, <laughs> one of my, Sally Peroni, the crone of my meditation group, did a dream group weekly. So the women would talk about their dreams, which was great. And they got to know each other. Um, eventually, we had an artist in residence, uh, Kathy Hubbard, I think her name was, and she applied for a grant through the state arts commission. And she came down as an artist in residence for, I don't know, six months or so. So we had ceramics and Pazello's sister, Marie Pazello came in and was working with ceramics, kind of dealing with some abuse issues. And uh, so we had that. We, we, we just had so many different kinds of projects. Um, it's been wonderful to prepare for this uh, podcast because it's been 30 years and it's just, I remember the women specifically, but it, so much happened. It was amazing.
0: The stories are just welling up out of you. And I exactly. just love that. It's wonderful to I, go I, down. I'm
1: curious, Kathy. Um, was this like, I'm familiar with something that went on in Northwest DC for homeless women and their mm-hmm. children. And they had to be out. Uh, they could stay overnight. I presume yours is just a daytime thing.
2: Right. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. So they could like come, What what time in the morning,
2: like? 7, well, eight, eight, nine, ten? No, no. When we started, it was like 10 to 5. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, 10 to 5. And initially, I was, I was closed on Thursdays till about 1, because I had this meditation group that was totally supporting me. But eventually, we had volunteers. But it was usually, at least initially, it was a, a 10 to uh, 5. When we, later, we, we opened earlier. And we also um, helped to get a, um, a shelter in place, Hope House. But that took a while this was just the day center. Also at the same time, I should mention, we had uh, Miriam's Miriam's house at Sister Peggy and Sister Bernadette Reese, Dominicans. So we had, I was starting to hear, I was counseling some of those women at St. Joseph. So I was hearing their stories. So that was kind of provoking some of this idea that maybe a a day center for women. And it was interesting. We had women that were working part-time. We had um, women that were getting out of prison or jail. We had um, We had um, divorced women, we had abused women, we had a lot of people from recovery. We had a real eclectic group. And then then women that were just lonely that lived downtown and realized, one of the things I said a lot in the beginning was the theme song of Cheers, in fact, I played it this morning, I put it on my little thing, Cheers, someplace that everybody knows your name. Mm -hmm. And that was how the Drop-In Center started and continued. Um Marie pazella who I mentioned earlier, was a person who came down, but eventually she was there every single day, even when they made them we've made two moves. she was there, and she knew every woman by name. They were always greeted. It was amazing
0: wow, yeah. wow and if you out there in our listening time um Sister Peggy Kennedy's podcast is Miriam's house, and it was in season one and be sure to listen to that if you haven't listened mm-hmm. to it yet because what Kathy and Peggy have done for the city of Spokane, along with other religious communities and volunteers has just been amazing. So thank you, Kathy.
1: Kathy, mm-hmm. what, would, what would a normal day be for a woman uh, dropping by the center? Would she stay for the day? Would she uh, have question. her meals? Um, would yeah. she just uh, get counseling or social work? Or mm-hmm. what, what would it, describe what a normal day for
2: someone might be? Well, initially, when the women came in, you know, we would be really we would offer them some coffee or a place to sit. We we had um we had kind of a big room. And when we moved the second time, it's a little bit bigger, even. So sometimes people are pretty shy and they just need to kind of be quiet and left alone, depending on if they had a mental illness or not. So they, they'd be invited to have something to drink and eat. But then you know, there's always programming, not always, but often there's some programs going on. so they could join into that. Maybe it's a spirituality circle, maybe it was a support group, um, maybe it was painting or coloring. So they, they could choose. But I think for, for the new people, they were kind of trying to get the lay of the land. But the regulars, <laughs> the regulars would always just welcome and greet people and try to make people feel at home. At first, we, we didn't even want people to sign in because they just, you know, they, most places they had to sign in and whatever. So we were just really informal. Eventually, when it became transitions, we needed to at least get some of the statistics, you know, the usage. But initially, we just were welcoming um, people.
1: I just, I'm just curious, you know, if people just sign in, drop in, uh, what kind of liability did you face? I mean, did you ever have any kind of uh, <laughs> confrontations with... Uh, some of the partners of these women or other kinds of things how <laughs> did you have <laughs> help with all that <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's the, oth- that's the that's other
2: side of the tea and cookies, oh, right? <laughs> oh, oh gosh, you know initially people were pretty frightened for me I was you know well what am I doing down here but you know um actually the the neighborhood was really supportive of me, but we did have I had this one gal that she had three children, and uh, she came in one day and her husband came in the door, and we finally I think we got some guys next door, and they got him out of there because she was running from an abusive situation. And so, um, yeah. And then I've helped her off and on through the years, but um, we we had minimal. You know, people were really respectful and uh, kind of knew what it was about. Liability. We didn't have liability insurance. Eventually, we had a non. We we created a five hundred one c three, and board insurance. I initially tried to be under the Miriam House when they said no. You know, start your own and see what happens. We just did it. <laughs> <laughs> we just started it and kind of grew as we got, you know, more comfortable. We had we had a number of volunteers that would come down and do different things. You know, you spoke about Catherine Noel. She came all the way from Portland and did it. Made we made drums and rattles. We had dance. We had poetry readings. We, I just wanted Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know. I had been a therapist and you know, the first is, is just literally survival. And then there's safety. And then that third one is belonging and love. And I was trying to meet clearly safety, but basically that belonging and being loved, who you are, individuals. We had one woman walk in when we, we actually moved that from the drop-in center on First and Jefferson. In about wasn't quite two years, but we were offered a space over on Second Howard, a little bit nicer neighborhood. I told you how we had no windows, and you know it was a steel door. Well, we go over to Second Howard and there's these big, big, huge windows. But one of the women, Dolly, I remember her name, she created lace curtains for us. We went from steel walls, adult bookstore to lace curtains. And the other thing that happened, I remember, at the first place I'd have different speakers come in. I had someone from the the lung the um, lung association or whatever the breathing cigarettes all that. And when the thing was over the, the that day, she um, said to me, Sister Kathy, I'm because all of the, of the at the first place everyone smoked. It just was totally smoke, 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 smoke. And I think if I would have started with no smoking, no one would have been in there. So it was smoke. So she said to me, she said, I'm concerned about the women, but I'm mostly concerned about you, Sister Kathy, because you're here all the time with that secondhand smoke. So when we moved to the new place, I said to the women, I'm thinking about no smoking to a person. The smokers, everyone said, great idea. We'll smoke outside. It was incredible because it had a whole different feel. It, it, It really was a shift, but initially we needed a place where they could smoke and they were really safe. The other new, lo- the second location was really, um, it was a, a step up. We had a little bit more room. We had a back room where I could do a support group. At one point, of course I was a therapist. None of my therapist friend couldn't believe I would do this. There was a little ramp to the back room. At one point I had three women in motorized wheelchairs in that back room with a, probably another 20 women. <laughs> a support group. and. We had women that were, you know, multiple personalities. We had everything, but it worked. So people, you know, the same people would come to the support group day, I mean, week in, week out. I remember I had it on Thursdays. The other one that was really good that people didn't want to miss was one of my friends came down, uh, Joyce Blazik. She has been at that drop-in center and now the heart every Wednesday at 11 o'clock where it's COVID, at 11 o'clock to do a spirituality circle where they sit in a circle, they light candles and say what they're grateful for.
0: Wow.
1: It's clear to me listening that uh, you truly followed the spirit. You didn't allow legalities and cares and concerns with the law, et cetera, to stop your spirit. And I think that's probably attributes to a lot of your success. And um, I think that these women picked up on that and the neighbor did too. And mm-hmm. everyone was kind of caught up in the spirit of something good, and they probably seldom felt something good. So I congratulate you and your helpers to uh, on such amazing
2: project, which I presume is still functioning. It's, it's still going. It's still going. Kathleen, you know, part of what I wanted to talk about at the Drop-In Center, too, was our, um, all the support people. I mean, it really yeah. was the volunteers. Peggy's mother came down every, I think it was Thursday, and brought bananas. So she was a banana. I went
0: with her. <laughs> I went with her one time. And she was she wanted me to come down with her.
2: I was just visiting her thinking I'd just
0: visit with Marie, right? Yeah. Oh, no. I had to come down. And I, she drove me. And she was so excited. And I could, OK, laundry facilities, computer facilities,
2: showers. Somebody Afterwards. was cutting somebody's hair. Yeah, and there yeah. was Marie. Yeah. The other Shirley Roberg's mother came down um, and she they came down together, you know, to to be a part of. And, you know, she was never Marie was quiet, you know, would bring the bananas and sit in. But Shirley's mother would get right into the conversation. So <laughs> we, I remember when initially people would say, well, who are they? Because, you know, I said, it's us. We're all doing this because. Um, a lot of people from the neighborhood, not a lot, but many people from the community would come down and really want to be a part of it. They find they helped financially, which was good, but they also just their presence and their programs and just in- encouraging people to to really support the drop-in center. Yeah. It it had community support from the beginning.
1: Well, it's clear to me uh, that you were inspired by the spirit and that, you know, you were really doing God's work and you knew it and your volunteers knew it. And your supporters knew it and, you know, certainly contributed to the fact that, you know, really out of nothing, you created this this great reality for these women, for safety and security and belonging and love. And uh, it really is a testimony to the power of the Holy Spirit.
2: And it's just very, very impressive. It is the Holy Spirit. In fact, I, I had a little prayer I was going to say this morning from Ephesians, you know, and it was just like, you know. May the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we may know what is the hope that belongs to our call. I had no idea when I first was saying I want to do this, but the incredible network and community that is continuing to this day with transitions.
1: So many men and women hunger for an opportunity to give the best part of themselves to others especially those suffering, and they have no place to turn in many instances. So the witness you're giving with this is tremendous. And I'm glad this podcast will spread the word and the message uh, to others who may be experiencing the same call.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we we do. Now, we sometimes as sisters, Holy Name Sisters and other sisters, we have kind of incredible community ties with right. their families. And the women I'm talking about have often burned their bridges and didn't have that, that connection, but they got into recovery and eventually they may be made, you know, with their, their daughters and sons or their families, but they had this community that would support them. So I, um, I hope we can continue finding ways of community and sometimes actually having a setting where that can happen really helps too. Yeah. Kathy, I want to hear about the transition
0: between the Women's Drop-In Center and Miriam's House and how the transitions, mm-hmm. T, you know, capital T, started with the support of four or five religious communities.
2: You heard Sister Peggy talk about the five communities that came together, which was really a brand new, you know, because Holy Ames would have their, you know, ministries and the Francis would have their, but this was brand new. That This was five religious communities saying there's a need here for women. So that that started. That was the premiere, and I think then, uh, then the drop in center was you know this was residential. The drop in center was providing that that space you know during the day and activities, and then I think with the transitional living center when the Dominicans opened that up for women and children, you know so that that had a, a third. So that's when it became clear that we should probably just have an umbrella called Transitions before we had individual programs, the drop-in center and uh, Miriam's house always had a lot a lot of connections. And the same, when they opened up TLC, those women would come down and use the drop-in center too. Um, so eventually, um, Transitions bought the space where the drop-in center, they called, they changed the name. They said the hearth, and they- Women's was, hearth. It, the women's hearth, and it's right downtown on 2nd um, Lincoln I think, I think anyway so. and I remember I was I wasn't the, the director but I remember going over there with the women actually we had a little procession from the Jefferson we all processed and some were drumming when we went over to Howard and then from Howard over to the new space we had another pr- procession and then we blessed the space so we always had ritual I think that's the other part that we, we ritualized pretty much everything
0: Now, can you, for those who haven't listened to the podcast season one, can you say the names of the religious communities that are part of Transitions? Well,
2: so now I would encourage any of you listening to really get on the web and really look up Transitions Spokane. And actually, the five religious communities that started Miriam's House was the Holy Name Sisters, the Franciscan Sisters of Philadelphia, the Good Shepherd Sisters, who no longer are there the um, uh, Providence sisters, and also the, um, oh, I knew I Cincinnati sisters. were
0: Dominicans. Dominicans yeah.
2: Dominicans, right. So, yeah, they were the kettle of Dominicans at that time. So anyway, they, and I think it was our own Lynn Riggers with the major superiors, got together and said, this is a real need. Can we do this? So they gave the okay to it. It was wonderful. So, but be sure you get on, be sure you get on um, uh, the web and take a look at transitions now because it's blossomed. They have a bakery. They they it's just a wonderful, wonderful program. And well and supported by down to Well Spokane supported. really yeah. supports transitions.
0: And it's now called helpforwomen.org. And the four is the number four. Thank you, Teresa. So, and it's Good. it's wonderful. Well Kathy, there are so many more questions to ask you, but we don't want to um, nope. go for an hour. So no, no. Um, I want to thank you so much for enlightening the eyes of our hearts <laughs> and helping us to really understand your whole motivation in starting it and why you started it and some of the success stories. It's just thank you. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. It's been just a wonderful opportunity. Thank you. And finally, uh, certainly,
1: last but not least, we want to be sure to acknowledge and thank our listeners. You're the whole reason for this project, and we hope that the Holy Spirit will inspire and move you uh, uh, to the promptings of the Spirit in terms of the care of the poor, standing with the marginalized, and getting out there and taking a risk, as Kathy has so beautifully shared with us and witnessed to the fact of the courage it takes and the blessing it receives. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, audience. Thank you, Teresa. May God bless us all.